Tonight, I want to talk to you about the words of a leader. There's a desperate need in our world today for true leaders, the right kind of leaders. You know, some say that leadership is influence and... uh, I just want to say there's a a whole lot of uh, so-called influencers that are not at all the kind of leaders that this world needs. But all of us can have influence on some people. All of us, to some degree, have a sphere of influence. And certainly, there are some with a much larger, much greater influence. They have a bigger platform to influence others. But you need to understand this, that even if you uh, think of yourself as an unimportant person or a quiet and introverted person like me, that you just need to know that you still have a sphere of influence where you can help lead other people. There are going to be people. See, if you're willing, I'm telling you, there will be people that you come across their path and it's not just an accident. It is a God thing. He has prepared ahead of time things that you are to do. And you, as a new creation in Christ, you're up to the task. If you're a born-again child of God, I want to tell you that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm talking about uh, those ungodly influencers. Listen, you're not just doing this on your own. This isn't just a matter of personality or charisma. This is a matter of a supernatural thing that our God is able to use you. Jesus says that we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And we need to let that light shine. Amen. We just need to realize, see, don't don't let the devil talk you out of this and tell you that you have no impact, that you're not really a leader. Yes, you are. God can use you. And even if you only influence one, Who knows what a difference that one is going to make in eternity. You know, one of the first principles of leadership is that we have to be an example. I want to say it very clearly. We can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. And we should be an example in the life that we lead the way we live, the things that we do. But make no mistake about this. Your words are very powerful. I've said it already. It can't just be words, but your words are very powerful. And much of our leadership, much of our influence happens through the words that we say. Very true. You need to hear this. You see, whether whether you are just influencing your friends or your coworkers, or you're you are a parent, or you serve in some type or area of ministry where you're over people, or maybe you're the boss at work. Wherever you have influence, I want you to understand that your words are one of the most powerful ways that you influence other people. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I know that some people have taken that verse out of context and just run wild with it. 
and, you know, just gone crazy with it. But others take it and just kind of shove it aside and say, oh, well, you know, words don't really matter. Well, the Bible says that there's the power of death and life in the tongue. Your words are powerful. Make no mistake about that. And it's so important that we realize that because, you know, most of us, most of the time, we just kind of throw our words out there, not really giving much thought to it, not really thinking about it. And do you realize that Jesus says that we're going to give an account for every idle word? <laughs> That's a scary thought. Idle words. I mean, just, just talking. We're going to give an account for every idle word. Well, that's another sermon maybe, but I just want you to realize that your words matter. You know, we can act like it, they don't mean anything, but we've all felt the sting of unkind words, haven't we? Four of you, the rest of you, I know, I know. And here's the thing, no matter how bad our memory, most of us can remember things that were said to us many, many years ago. And a lot of the time, as frustrating as it may be, the person who said those words, they long ago forgot about it. I just want you to realize that those words can have a lasting impact, but not just for harm, but for good also. It is amazing the power of our words. Your words can encourage, they can strengthen, they can inspire. Your words can be a powerful influence in other people's lives. When Cheryl Pruitt was five years old, she hung around her father's small country store and Mr. Horton, the milkman, would come in once a week and... He would always say the same thing to this little five-year-old. He would say, one day, little girl, you're going to be Miss America. And it planted a dream in her heart. That milkman inspired that little girl. Cheryl Purit became Miss America in 1980. True story. Now, not every little girl that gets called Miss America is going to actually grow up and be Miss America. But you just need to understand that there's power in your words. And sometimes a seed is planted. Sometimes it's more than just idle words and it takes root. But most people have the attitude that words don't really matter. Just doesn't matter what you say. But you need to know this, that the Bible says that words do matter. And especially if you are a leader, your words carry a lot more weight. I don't, I have a hard time with this message because uh, like a, well, I guess a lot of things I preach, but I, I struggle with this area. I always have. I, I remember as a youth pastor, just sometimes being careless with my words and, you know, and, and realize, just coming to grips with the fact that when, you know, in ministry that you, you carry a big sword, that your words can be so hurtful so fast, but it's not just for me. I just want to tell you, if you're a parent 
every parent, you carry a big sword with your kids. And you, you can cut deep without even meaning to. You see, to realize, you see, there's such power in your words. Now, again, for harm, but also for good. Your words as a leader can make such a great impact. Leaders' words are loaded. See, leadership is influence, and that means your words, they just carry greater weight. Listen to what the Bible says, warns us in James 3, 1 and 2. Brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. That's kind of a strange thing here, I think, for our generation to hear in the church world, but he actually says that not many of us should become teachers because they bear a much greater responsibility. There's going to be stricter judgment for what they say, knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, James, is, he's talking about these teachers in the body of Christ because they have such influence. But if you're a parent, an employer, a teacher, a coach, or you're discipling somebody, you have influence on somebody, you just need to realize that you have a great responsibility to use your words in a way that is a blessing and a benefit and an encouragement. Realize, if you're a leader to anybody, your words have tremendous power. Now, you know, if somebody that has no influence on you mouths off to you, you know, like, I don't know, that guy on the freeway rolled his window down and he's yelling at you. I hope you shrug that off pretty quick, right? You should. But it's when it's somebody that you respect and you look up to, oh, then it really matters. And I just want you to understand that for a leader, your words have that much greater power. You know, the words of a parent, they can last a lifetime. The words of a coach, a teacher can actually change the course of someone's life. Amazing. Proverbs 12, 18, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The NIV puts it this way, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless. See, it doesn't even have to be intentional. Just reckless. They pierce like a sword. You know, it, it, we can say stupid things just unintentionally, you know, just being foolish. And yet those words can do so much harm. You know, sometimes we joke around with people and that's all fine and good when it's done in the right way. In fact, you know, it's one of the ways I used to get myself in trouble a lot as a youth pastor and I still do sometimes. But, you know, joking around is kind of a way to uh, put people at ease sometimes or, you know, just, just a way to uh, even break down barriers sometimes and, you know, just kind of cutting up and being lighthearted. But a lot of the time, if we're not careful, we'll at some point we make jokes at the expense of somebody else. 
And what maybe we thought was funny ended up hurting somebody else. You know, I'm, I know some of you don't know me this well, but I love sarcasm. I daily fight this battle. You know, in fact, if I get on Facebook, I 100% of the time want to post something sarcastic and, and I don't. The Holy Spirit doesn't let me do that, you know, and sometimes I've even typed out a long paragraph and I delete it. Um, I've kind of learned to, I'm just not going to waste the time to type it out because I know I'm going to end up deleting it. But I'm just saying, you know, words, those words, they can have such power. And, you know, sometimes what we think is funny can be hurtful to somebody else. And we just have to not be reckless with our words. We got to take a moment and think about what we're saying before we say it. And by the way, we talked about words. I hope you understand that, you know, in our generation, what you post in social media is just as powerful, if not even more so, because once you type it out there, it's put out there, you know, it's not easily forgotten. I've said this a number of times, but uh, I remember hurtful things that, have, that were said to me 30 years ago. Long forgave it, long ago forgave it, but I still remember it. But I just want to tell you that the positive side of that is true also. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Think about this. There are hurting people, there are wounded people, there are people that are struggling in different areas of their life. What if you thought about it, better yet, prayed about it, and you used your words as the tongue of the wise, and you were able to bring healing to somebody. You were able to bring encouragement to somebody. You Maybe even you could bring freedom to somebody. The tongue of the wise. I just want you to understand, you see, that's the power of your words when a leader uses their words the right way. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Use your pleasant words, kind words, comforting words, faith-filled words. That's the way we ought to be speaking. Next, hear this now. Leaders should teach. I just, I just read that to you from James, and not many of us should be teachers. But I, I want to encourage you in this, though. You see... Uh, to some degree, those that you influence, those that hear your words, it, to some degree, and in some way, you are teaching. You might not be teaching the right things, but you are teaching, in a sense, by the words that you say. And so all I'm saying is that we ought to be intentional about it, realizing that we do have a great responsibility. But, you know... I don't think this is just about teachers at church. Parents, you ought to be teaching your children every single day. Every single day. Don't let the world teach your children. And now listen, I, I'm great. I'm fine if you homeschool. I'm also fine if you don't. I didn't homeschool. We thought about it. We prayed about it, but we didn't homeschool. But we did teach our kids every day. 
Every day, we stuck our nose right in the middle of their business and found out what was going on in their world, and we taught them through all of the different issues of life, even when the, you know, when the teacher at school gave them a, a bad grade because they wrote a, a paper about Jesus, we were right there in the middle of that to teach. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you see, this is so important that parents get this. You're the one that Deuteronomy chapter 6 says that you're supposed to teach the scripture to your children. And you see, this is, this is you know, nowadays... Parents, well, you're driving your kids somewhere and they're in the back seat and they got those earbuds in their ear. Get them out. I'm going to cut that cable. There's going to be a lot of weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth. See, you need to have that time with your kids at the dinner table. You know, when you're watching a show together. Whatever you're doing together, you need to be talking with your kids, interacting with them, hearing about what's going on in their world so you can teach them biblical views, right morals. But teach, you know, and whoever you, you might be influencing as a Christian, trying to disciple somebody, help somebody else in their walk with the Lord, teach. Daniel Webster he wrote, from the time that I, at my mother's feet or my father's knee, I first learned to say verses from the sacred writings. They have been my daily study. If there be anything in my style or thoughts to be commended, the credit is due to my kind parents for instilling into my mind an early love for the scriptures. See, if you say we don't need to go to church every week, you're teaching if you say it's important that we always give God the first fruits and tithe, you're teaching. See, you're teaching whatever, whatever you say, whether good, good or bad. I mean, if you, if you tell your kids it's important that you always do your best, have a good work ethic. See, you're teaching. You just ought to be always teaching. That's part of how we influence. It's a big part of how you use your words in the right way. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came, spoke to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. I want to tell you, if we're going to disciple anybody, we're going to influence anybody to have a closer walk with the Lord, we're going to have to teach them some things. Jesus said, teach them all the things that I've commanded you. Next, a leader's words can impart faith or fear. We all know the story, but I just want to remind you, the 12 spies were sent into the promised land to spy it out, to check it out. These 12 men were 12 leaders chosen, one from each tribe. These were the leaders from each tribe. Ten of them came back with a bad report. Some of what they said was true. But then when Joshua and Caleb said, we should go in at once for we are well able, then the ten made up lies. They said the land devours its inhabitants. 
They, they took it off the rails. I mean, they took it from what where it was and they just went crazy with it. I tell you, it reminds me a whole lot of the stuff that's going on today where people blow, sensationalize and blow everything out of proportion and they stirred up this fear. And here was the result of these words of these 10 leaders that all of those people died in the wilderness and did not get to go into the promised land that God had for them for generations. He had promised it to them, but they didn't go in because of the fearful, doubt-filled words of those 10 men. And only Joshua and Caleb from that generation went into the promised land. So I just want you to realize that as a leader... Your words have great impact and can impact. It's such a responsibility, but your words can make the difference in somebody getting healed or not. See, words can bring faith or they can bring fear and doubt. Jesus was a faith preacher. He always preached faith. He always taught faith. He always said, have faith in God. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, you shall have them. All things are possible to him who believes. See, Jesus talked about faith all the time. And we as leaders, we need to realize it's so important. You know, if, if you can't say something good like faith-filled, just be quiet. I tell you that a lot of our battles that we've been through, Carmen dealing with cancer so many times over the years, there, there were times when I just kept my mouth shut. Now, most of the time I had something good to say, but when I didn't have something good to say, I didn't say anything. And I'll tell you this also, there were times when for years we didn't talk about it with hardly anybody because we didn't want to hear their negative doubt-filled words. And all I'm saying to you is, is that you see, your words are so powerful as a leader, you want to always speak faith. Doubt is cheap and easy. You can get it anywhere. But words of faith, I'm telling you, leaders, we need to be speaking those words of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Amen. Believe it and speak. So much doubt spoken every day. People need to hear words of faith. A leader uses their words to build up not to tear down. See, we can always encourage or discourage. And the Bible says that we're to encourage one, uh, to encourage one another daily. Every day, we're supposed to encourage one another. We're not supposed to discourage people. I hear a lot of discouraging words going on. We're supposed to encourage one another daily. And we're supposed to build one another up, not tear down. Okay. I'm just trying to be a little bit transparent, not very much, just a little bit. But there's this thing in me. I have a hard time with arrogant, prideful, assuming people. And I know that the Lord says that he will humble the proud. 
I want to help. And it just, you know, there's something inside of me when somebody's prideful and arrogant, I just kind of want to put them in their place somehow. You know, little sarcasm here and there. But I can't find it in scripture. And I know it's wrong. There's nowhere that the Lord ever tells us to tear somebody down. It's just not in there. In fact, he tells us that we're only to build up. We need to need to remember, just like vengeance, there are some things that it's God's job and not our job. I like this in the NIV, Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think sometimes when people read that in the King James or New King James, it says corrupt communication. And here it says unwholesome talk. A lot of times we just think of, you know, profanity or uh, coarse joking and that kind of thing. But I don't think that's really exactly what he's getting at here. I'm sure it includes that. But I think he's really talking about, you know, when we're speaking in such a way that it tears people down because then the the very next thing he says, he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. See, we're supposed to only be saying what builds people up, encouraging them, building them up, you know, but Lord, if I build them up, they're just going to get more prideful. It's not our place. You leave that to God. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. See, use your words to cheer somebody up. You see somebody that's down a little bit, that old grump? No, don't talk like that. Cheer them up. Leaders should speak with authority. It's interesting about the Lord Jesus, Mark 1, 22, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now think about this. The scribes, uh, they taught all the time, but they didn't speak with authority because they didn't have authority from above. See, Jesus had so much authority because he was speaking what the Father gave him to speak. He says that very clearly in the book of John in chapter 8 and verse 28. He says... I do nothing of myself, but as the Father has taught me, I speak these things. And you see, I want you to understand, when I say speak with authority, um, there's times when you don't know what to say. You can't speak with authority when you don't know what the right thing is. That's another one of those times when you keep your mouth shut. But when you have conviction and you know what the Lord wants in this situation, you know, like you got a clear word, you speak with authority. And I just want you to understand that leaders are not wishy-washy. Leaders, when we speak, we speak with authority. This is also another reason that you don't just want to be talking all the time. If you're talking all the time, then when you have something important to say, guess what? People don't really listen because you talk all the time. But if you keep your mouth shut more, then when you do speak, people are more likely to really listen. Hmm. 
I'm just throwing a lot out here, but I'm telling you though, your words are so powerful. We need to hear this stuff, but leaders have to choose their words wisely. Don't open the mouth without engaging the brain. James 1.19, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Slow to speak, slow to speak. If you got the gift of gab, it makes it hard, but you got to put the brakes on. And here's what he's saying. You got to think before you speak. You can't just start talking. Some people think of themselves as being spiritual people, and yet they don't give heed to the Scripture. James 1.26, if, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Another translation says you've got to keep a tight rein on your tongue. See, we can't just say whatever comes to mind. No, we have to be wise. We have to choose our words, not reckless words, but intentional words. I would tell you, there are a lot of people who are no longer in full-time ministry because their mouth got away from them. I had dinner with the pastor one time about 25 years ago, and he told me, he said, there are some board members in my church causing trouble, and I don't remember the situation, what they had done or whatever, but he, he told me himself, I didn't get this from somebody else, he told me himself, he said, he said, I was, got up in the service and I told those board members, I said, you meet me out back after the service. Amazingly, that guy didn't pastor very long at all. But I'm just telling you, that's, that's true with ministers. But it's also true with a lot of parents. They no longer have that authority to speak into their kid's life because they've said foolish things and they've burned bridges. It can happen in every kind of relationship. You know, we got to be wise, be careful about what we say. And you know, I just can't stress this enough. Sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut. You know, Proverbs says where there's many words, sin is not absent. But here's another one. Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool is thought to be wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds, their tongue, holds his tongue. So sometimes just sit there and act like you're smart and don't say anything. But if you want to improve your leadership ability, take control of your words. Realize they really are powerful. And if you'll use them wisely, it will up your leadership ability, your influence. You have such power in your words and how you use them will determine your leadership ability in so many ways. Now, I told you the short version tonight of Cheryl Pruitt, a little girl of five years old, who the milkman every week would tell her, someday you're going to win the Miss America pageant. I want to tell you a little more of the story. It is a true story. Somehow that milkman planted a dream in her heart. Let me tell you how it went. 
May 4th, 1968, the Miss America dream appeared to be forever put out of reach for Cheryl Pruitt. At 11 years old, she was in a catastrophic car accident, broke her back, crushed her leg, had over 100 stitches in her face. Now, you know the end of the story. She had over 100 stitches in her face. She wore a body cast for four months, and she thought that when they finally took the cast off, that she would be as good as new. But when they took the cast off, one leg was two inches shorter. The one that was crushed was two inches shorter than the other leg. When she started back to school on crutches, her prayer was just that she didn't want to fall, that she wouldn't fall. Later, doctors told her that she probably couldn't have children because of her leg being so short. It had caused her pelvis to tilt and would make it difficult for her to ever have children. But somehow, through all of this, she remembered what the milkman said. And she didn't let go of that dream. Some years later, she believed all of the stories of healing in the Bible. And she went to a healing service and God healed her leg. And she said that ever since then, People will question and doubt. They don't believe that it happened. But she said it happened just that way. God healed her leg. Well, that's not the end of the story either. During that time, though, I just, I, I just want to mention to you, uh, she kept praying, how are we going to do this, Father? Father? How am I going to be Miss America with the short leg and scars? She said she didn't always get an answer, but she always felt a peace. A peace that passes understanding. So, she lost Miss Choctaw County. She lost Miss Mississippi State two years in a row. The fourth year... She won the Mississippi State pageant only to lose the state pageant and have to start all over again. She finished his first alternate in 1978. She had one last chance because of the age of accountability, or not accountability, uh, eligibility. One last chance. Well, you know the story. She won. Yep. But that's not the end of the story either. So after she won, some reporters are asking her, you know, talking to her about all this, asking her questions and everything. And she, they're like, who do you want to thank? She said, the milkman. <laughs> and there was silence. They didn't have a clue. What it's, they thought, is this a joke? What is she talking about? And she told them the story 
of how the milkman would tell her every week, someday you're going to be Miss America. And it was like a word from God to her that God just put that in her heart that that was supposed to happen in her life. Well, that's not the end of the story either. Here's the thing. She got married and her and her husband and her kids have spent over 35 years in full-time ministry. They've written over 30 books. They travel the country, do seminars. She has uh, sung and as an evangelist, been all over everywhere, still doing this, serving the Lord. And this is amazing to me how God used the words of a milkman to set this young woman on a path to greatness that would be used for his glory and his honor. It's amazing to me. Now listen, it wasn't the pastor, it wasn't the evangelist, it wasn't even her parents, it was the milkman. And all I'm saying to you is, if you feel like you're not a leader to anybody, who can you influence? Oh my goodness, you just don't know who God might use you to impact and to influence. I just think that's awesome. Amazing story. And, and you know what? I just encourage you in your life, be the milkman. Be the milkman. I mean, find you a five-year-old. Plant some dreams. But maybe there's a 35-year-old that needs some dreams. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but encourage people. Build people up. You know, be that one that has that encouraging word, plants seeds of faith. Amen. Use your words as a leader. Amen. Well, stand with me. We're going to pray.